Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 264 with our review of Ender's Game. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I am Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, as we said, Ender's Game, the 28 years in the making uh, film presentation of the much-beloved book that uh, I have read. Carson, you have not. Am I no, correct? I have not read this book. Have you, have you heard of this book before in passing, besides uh, me talking about it once we found out that we were actually going to get a release date and a real movie coming? I, I have, yes, I have heard of this book. I okay. may not know, I may not have known what it was about per se, like exactly, but I had heard of it, yes. Okay, so you, you knew that there was some space stuff, there were some little boys. There was, were... a, there was a game and there was like a guy, a kid named Ender, and he played a game. <laughs> good times all right well, uh but yeah like i yeah th- th- this is uh a book that th- this is the first book that was non-required reading that i read cover to cover and um mm. it is really my first introduction to uh reading not being homework reading being something that you do because you really want to know what's on the next page and uh you know, it's just, I mean, that just goes to show you that, like, this is a property that I care very deeply about. And this review will be interesting because uh, I will be talking about what I may or may not have liked about this film from a standpoint of what it's doing to the story that I love. And you will be talking about it from, uh, is it or is it not entertaining? Because yes. uh, I think that, that uh, yeah, watching this, watching this film... Uh, I, I definitely wondered what it would be like to see this presentation without having read the book just because of the presentation itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is stuff and, that we... And I wondered the opposite of <laughs> why this book was so beloved. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the book's fault. I I don't think it was. <laughs> so, Yeah. All right, I mean, well, I know I can. I I mean, that was semi joking, but I I can see why. Obviously, it's been a very influential book, but uh, what, what, yeah, what, what, I, there were there were yeah, there were moments where I was just like, I wonder if I should go back and read the book and see like what made it like that special. Uh, you, I would do that because um, it it will. I think I think reading the book, you will understand why certain things that may have not worked for you were included at all, and uh, it will give you a better context for that. And you will, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Let, let let's just say without without going too far into my review, there were parts during watching this film that I thought, huh, I wonder if this is unfilmable. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's my little spoiler peek into my comments about this film. Uh, what do you say, Carson, that uh, we keep this thing grounded on Earth instead of in space, and we just listen to the trailer for Ender's Game and then come back with a review? Okay. When the aliens first invaded, they nearly destroyed us. They will be back. There's greatness in you, Ender. The world needs you. You were bred for this. 
You see things in a way we can't. You alone can understand the enemy. You will be the one to save mankind. Unless we act now, Earth will be annihilated. We're out of time. He's not ready. You're never ready. Go when you're ready enough. Track them from below the ice. Shoot straight. Stay calm. Here we go. Fire! I've never seen anyone do that. We should tell him the truth. Why? When it's over, what will be left of the board? What does it matter if there's nothing left at all? If you don't try, then we will all be lost. I'll do everything I can to win this war. If you succeed, you will be remembered as a hero. He's abandoning his entire fleet. He's in command. There's no stopping him now. In three, two, All right, so that was the trailer for the film adaptation of Orson Scott Card's book, Ender's Game. Uh, This is set in the future where all of humankind has been attacked by these uh, creatures who are known as the Formics, or in the book, the Buggers. And, uh, yeah, they all but wiped us out on their, you know, their first couple runs at us. And now we are trying to figure out what the hell we're going to do. We will not survive another attack from these guys. So we're training little boys in space in these battle schools to become these people who can hopefully one day save uh, all of humankind from this alien uh, threat. Yeah. Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, no, I was just looking at it to see if Orson Scott Card was uh, British. Because you said that they were called buggers in the book? Yes. Okay. I... I- is that why they changed it to some different name in the movie? Like I, cause it's well, like British slang for like jerk off or something. I don't know the term. <laughs> I don't know like the correct term, but I know like if you're a bugger, it usually means like you're some kind of prick. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I, I've heard comments that they changed it for that reason. Um, I remember when I read it as I was younger, I kind of just thought that they were calling them buggers because a, they look like bugs and B yeah. that the, the story is mostly told from the eyes of 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 kids and it's adults training kids and it would make sense that the adults would refer to them in what the kid like it, it's you know it's like it, it i just assumed it was like slang for children that the military adopted so that when they're training the kids yeah anyways it, that that's beyond the point we're, we're calling them the formics i mean but it's clearly like a double meaning like for the for the book and i just like it's it's another uh it's another like check mark on a long list of check marks in this movie where uh like i said i have not read this book but the whole time i felt like this movie was like very very sanitized like i felt like that uh the movie enders game was made for children even though i don't think that the movie is uh it it has children in it but i don't think it's necessarily for children like the story i think is much more adult and the themes that they're dealing with are are very very adult and i felt like that they had those themes but 
most of it is dealt in like the most pedestrian way and like the the most kind of childlike way i mean i i to me this movie really should have not been geared at kids like i think it should have been a much harder film like now i wouldn't say like you know it should be rated r or anything but i i felt like you know to me ender's game it was pg-13 but it felt like pretty pg safe to me um it it did not feel like it was like anything groundbreaking the way the book has been uh you know presented as i guess or you know looked looked upon um i i i mean really ender's game is if you didn't know this was based on like a very successful sci-fi book that influenced you know many other books and movies like it just would it looks and feels like every other boring bland sci-fi movie out there like it there's really nothing that makes it have that special factor that that uh you know sets it apart from the rest like it it really does have a very just middle of the road feeling and like when i was watching the movie like i was thinking to myself like this this isn't bad like it wasn't a bad movie i wasn't you know i wasn't particularly enjoying myself but i wasn't particularly you know thinking like this was a mistake but then after the movie was over i just was like i mean that's almost having your movie be so middle of the road is almost just as bad or it is just as bad as having it be flat out terrible because well in in this case i would argue that it's actually worse um with this property specifically you're working with such amazing source material and uh like as you said like there's there's it it's the story is supposed to be told from the viewpoint of children and it's dealing dealing with children but there are these themes that are much greater than children are so like you you are supposed to present it in like the whole the whole thing that's happening is adult world being framed for children Uh, but the themes themselves are much more like grave than that and part of the entire point is that children at such a young age aren't able to really comprehend the the situation as a whole and and so i don't i don't know i'm yeah i mean well it's it's unfortunate because i feel like if this movie had come out uh like the book was published in like what like 82 or 83 or something like that i thought it was 85 but i'm not sure okay somewhere in like the mid 80s and uh like if the movie version of ender's game had come out like you know shortly after the book was published and they had gotten like you know ridley scott to direct this i mean this movie would have been killer you would have had you know the awesome effects and you would have had i feel like actors kid actors who you know had like that more adult presence i don't know like me and my girlfriend were talking about it and it's just like there aren't very many good kid actors nowadays like they're all like disney channel like woo like everything's cranked to 11 and they're not being subtle and like there no no one really stands out you know well and here's here's the thing though at at like at page one of ender's game ender is like six or something like that and like by the time we're in the story he's a very very early teens like it's it's 
they are supposed to be that kitty. Obviously, they're they are participating in these zero G battles where they're like blasting each other with like pistols and stuff like that. But at the same time, they literally are supposed to be that young. Um, so making it grittier from a casting standpoint would be a very bad decision for communicating this story. I mean, I don't mean grittier. I just mean like have better actors that can pull that off. Like I, I, I think that the, the guy who plays the, the kid that plays Hugo or that played Hugo and the plays Ender in this, like I thought he was great in Hugo, but in here he's like so bland. And I guess that's maybe the movie's fault that he just really doesn't have anything to work with well but uh, but i mean but mostly like all the supporting players like the kid actors just all felt one and the same to me like they all blended together like none well, of them had you, any none of know, them had any like facets to them like or interesting character moments you, you know why that is because they're they were literally combining various characters together oh, okay um so so I mean, those individual, the, the main group of people that, that are like, that eventually surround Ender and become his kind of main posse. Yeah, those characters are individual characters by name, but like the order in which they're introduced, where they come about, and what events in the story are controlled by that character or dominated by them have been completely mucked with. Uh, they've obviously they, they had to um, condense this story because, I mean, even in like audiobook form, it's. 11 to 14 hours depending on which version you get uh so i mean they're they're doing a lot of abridgment um and that's the reason why those other characters feel that way is because all these scenes slash chapters slash moments in the book that are meant to build those relationships over time um are they're sort of jettisoned from the story because uh you know you commented about how it felt like a checklist movie and that's exactly what this is somebody made a checklist of everything that's supposed to happen in the books and they said, okay, here's our checklist of 500 things. Now we're allowed to have 200. Let's start crossing off things that we don't think are absolutely necessary. So there's all these like connections that aren't quite made enough or things where they kind of like, well, here's four check marks, which if we just like combine them earlier and, you know, introduce Bean as soon as he gets inside of a spaceship, that'll, that'll work well enough. And like, there's a lot of things where it feels like this scene is there simply for the fact that it's a notable scene from the book, so we'll throw it in the movie, even though they're not doing anything with it. I mean, for for instance, uh, right at the beginning of the film, you have the scene where Ender has just had the monitor removed, and he's talking to his sister Valentine, he's talking about, uh, oh no, I hope Peter doesn't find out about it, and then immediately Peter's at the door, and he's like, starts making fun of him, and he's like, hey, let's play Formic War, you wear this mask, and he starts choking him, and then he leaves. That, like, 60-second scene is, like, a lot that is an entire thing that's supposed to set up who Ender is and like th this relationship between like th the whole film there's this struggle between Ender uh worrying that he could t potentially be Peter in the end and like uh all that is only supported by this one scene where Peter shows up out of nowhere chokes him and then leaves for the rest of the film and isn't even a part of it like there's like yeah that's, it's not it's not substantial at all yeah like that and that that, that scene is like absolutely important to that those characters um so it, it's just it's funny seeing moments like from, a, like from a moviegoers point of view like i just felt like well they had that to be like well they're brothers <laughs> no exactly <laughs> like, that, that... i mean like i was like well why did we need that yeah like, to, yeah when i watched that scene i was like that's 
I mean, you, you get the opening quote of the film is a quote that Ender speaks later on in, in the film, which sort of relates in a way to his relationship with Peter. Like, it's just, it's just weird. But like another example of a, of a check, a check mark thing is, um, so, so the book Ender's Game is, uh, is told mostly through the narrator describing what Ender's thinking. So, uh, for instance, there's a scene, a, a, uh, a combative scene that takes place in a shower. And, um, in the scene in the film, uh, you know, Ender, uh, you know, he increases the water temperature and he sort of like rubs a soap bar against his shoulder. And like, uh, I don't like, did, did you notice him rubbing soap on his shoulder in that scene? Uh, briefly. Yeah. Like in, in the book, he is making a con like he, 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 he like comments on the fact that he still has soap suds on it and that might help him be more slippery. So he turns up the, the, the water not to be dangerous because it's hot, but he turns up the water for the purpose of making more steam to make him sweat more so that the sweat would mix with this. Like there's all this like conscious decisions that are happening, but like clearly the filmmaker was like, oh, well, uh, this, this shower fight's about to happen. Um, Oh yeah, there's something about soap and hot water. So make him turn on hot water and also have him rub a bar of soap on his arm. But it's not communicating it as a this is a tactical advantage he's trying to achieve. It's communicated as, uh, oh, he's still soaping down while he's about to get beat up. <laughs> you know what Man, I mean? Like, it, it was communicated in a very like rapey fashion. Like <laughs> I, I literally thought there was gonna be like an American History X shower sequence in this. I was like, what? This is so weird. Like, when they walked in and he was, you know, showering, I was like, okay, this is awkward. <laughs> and then, like, you know, the one guy gets million-dollar babied over there. But, yeah, it was it, it it was really strange, I thought. I was like, well, this has to be in the book because... <laughs> no, no, yeah, like that. And here's, that also doesn't play out exactly like that in the book, too. It's, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, this scene needs to be there because it, it, it moves this part of the plot forward. Um, but they don't they don't spend the time to communicate what that moment means to Ender and to the people surrounding it and to even the the adults in the school. Like so like that just goes kind of back. Like I, I completely agree about the whole checkmark aspect of this film because it, it totally feels like they were just trying to hit certain beats without making sure they're telling the story um, in the most compelling way or the way that communicates fully to the audience members what um is really happening in the story as far as like uh, the overall themes and, and the psyche of Ender himself. I mean, and not even a checklist of like, what can we include from the book or whatever? I mean, obviously I was, I was referring to, I mean, it, it can be said for both things, but a checklist of like every sci-fi movie cliche that's come out for the past 30 years. They're like, what can we throw in here? Like the, um the opening scene which you know is immediately we get voiceover which i thought was completely unnecessary in this movie um because it's it's like sparingly used it's not even used really to an effect that i thought was helping the movie like i felt like we could have got all the things that he was conveying in the voiceover through imagery if it was you know presented the right way but um I just, I, like, I felt like the whole movie, like, especially when the scene comes later on, but the whole movie starts off weird to me because, like, they have that scene where they show uh, the character Rackham defeating the aliens, which 
for my stupid ass, I immediately was like, well, he pulled a Randy Quaid in Independence Day. <laughs> Doesn't um, anybody have any missiles? <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> Roland Emmerich clearly is a fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they have that scene. I was like, all right, well, they're setting up the the plot, like, of the aliens, you know, we defeated them or whatever. But then we get that same sequence, like, I don't know, 20 minutes later in the movie when Ender is in battle school or whatever, and the teacher's just, like, showing them that clip, like, they're, you know, all football players reviewing plays or something. And I was just like, and and that's, like, the first time they've all seen it. And I was just like, why wasn't that the first time that we as the audience have seen that? Because, like, to to them in the movie, it's, like, very impactful because it's like, oh, like, this is the guy that, like, saved us or whatever. And to us, it's just like, yeah, we already saw that. Like, let's move on. Like, it was just weird. Like, it was like, like, and there were, like, a lot of things like that in this movie where it was just like, why did we need that from a movie standpoint? And the big thing was for me, it was just like, I felt like this movie was more about the alien invasion. Like, I felt like it was just simply an alien invasion movie. But really, it should have been, like, the approach they should have taken was, like, no, this is a movie about, you know, war and genocide and, like, all these themes about, you know, taking over another person, you know, another race and, like, all all this stuff. And, like, the stuff that Ender has to deal with, you know, toward the end of the movie... They, they, I, th- I felt like the focus should have been more on that. Like, the whole movie should have been on that. Like, I felt like the alien invasion was an afterthought, almost. But they were making it kind of the central part of the movie. Well, here, here. And, I, and I don't know if that's how it is in the book, but I felt like they should have just gone deeper with the, you know, the themes of that they're trying to hammer home. But I don't think that, like, any of it is, you know, very uh, impactful. Like, I don't think any of it has any weight, really, because... Um, especially in the later scenes when there are some very emotional moments or, you know, they're supposed to be emotional and they just kind of, they don't play because they don't give it time to play. Like they don't give this whole movie to play. Like I, and you know, you were kind of saying like, they obviously have to condense things from the book and that's understandable, but, um, you know, kind of going back to that whole, like this movie felt like it was designed for, children when i think it should not have you know i think it should have been at least presented in an adult way like not in a way where it's like everything has to be big and loud and blah and we gotta rush like everything has to be rushed through to get to this like it was almost like let's just get through it all so we can get to the sequel like i just that and that is like not the way i think to approach any movie that you're like attempting to at least start a franchise which in the end, that's all this movie felt like. It just felt like, well, they hope another one's going to be made. I mean, well, I mean, uh, unfortunately for the studio, there's no way they can make the sequel to this because the the following the the book that follows Ender's Game, um, I mean, it's an incredible book, also, uh, but it is inherently like if this one was unfilmable in the sense of like you can't possibly communicate the anything right like what's going on in the next book and even the book after that uh uh you know the the next book is called speaker for the dead and the one after that is called xenocide uh if that gives you any indication of what that one might be about uh (laughs) there there's just these things like this is just a property that works better in book form because for for many different reasons and 
I I know when you when you say this was about progressing forward to get to like different events, like it it totally was because what's actually happening in the story is that you know first of all uh, when you talk about wanting more weight to be in the story, you know at some point when when they're learning about the buggers, they talk about how like the buggers are looking to branch out from their homeworld because of overpopulation and blah 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 that that kind of stuff. Well. What we're not seeing as much in this film version as what we get in the book is that Earth is undergoing the same problem. Like, there's mandatory uh, limits to how many children you can have. Like, the big deal, the reason why Ender is teased so much is because he is a third. You're not allowed to have three children. You're only allowed to have two. But the offspring that his parents produced weren't these... They, they all had their own issues, and they couldn't be as great as what the military needed, so they were commissioned to have another child, which is Ender. And hopefully Ender turns out to be this great commander person that they can actually use in some military way. Like, that's that's like that whole point. But what's going on on the planet is that, yes, the world is technically united because there is this impending alien force that could wipe out all of humanity. But secretly beyond that, all the different, like, countries of the world are all trying to vie for who's going to, like, once the buggers are gone... Who's going to own Earth? Like, who's going to, like, be in command of the military forces? Like, what what do we do with this overcrowded Earth? And, like, there's these secret, like, wars going on. There's all this, like, super huge political way over children's heads stuff that is happening in the world surrounding and Ender, Ender's life. And we're, we're learning that through other characters, um, which, you know, you'll find out when you read the book. But... There's all sorts of stuff happening in the world, and at some aspect, the children are completely oblivious to what's happening around them. Like the, uh, there's actually this running theme in the book that uh, that the kids in the battle school don't even think there really are buggers anymore. Like they think that like, oh well, there's a bunch of people that keep saying that like, oh this whole thing is all made up and by the instructors like. Uh, Mazer Rackham totally killed them like way back when and whatever we're just playing in this stupid game and like everybody's excited about these battle schools because they don't really believe that they're really in danger from a bugger invasion anymore because they think that's like old timey stuff like uh, there's a bunch of these weird themes that are going on in the book that just are completely taken out of this movie because it's not important to the main central line that the filmmakers wanted to communicate yeah, I mean, it's it's not... Uh, I feel like if I, you know, if I were to approach this movie, like, I would just want to go for broke. Like, I mean, I don't think that you would go, like, lightly with this property. Like, I, I, I wouldn't play it safe. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think that... Like, I really think whoever took this on, they should have gone, like, Zack Snyder, Sucker Punch, go for broke. Like, this should have been a, a crazy movie. Like, it... And, and, and not only just because of all the, you know, the themes and the, the story, but, like, just in terms of, like, the style, too. Like, this movie has no flair at all. Like, it, it really just looks, it just blends in with every other sci-fi movie that's come out, you know, in the past couple of years. Like, there's nothing that sets this apart where you're like, oh, like, I can distinguish that between something else. That's why I think, like, if it had come out, you know shortly after the book had been published and it kind of had like the 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 mood and the tone of like a blade runner like i i think that's what this movie needed like it needed to be a lot more subtle and a lot more 
it just needed to be subtler and more focus needed to be on you know the character and the the character of ender and like his you know motivation and everything because i felt like i never really got to know ender in this movie like he is the main character and he's given the most screen time i guess but like the him and and all the characters in this movie there are like no character moments in this movie it's all just it's all just exposition like this 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 we have to do this otherwise this and it's like that i feel like with any of these sort of um like young adult franchise you know wannabes like a lot of the times they get bogged down with all that exposition and they end up you know not you know moving on to the the later books or whatever like they it ends up being like the golden compass scenario where the whole movie is just explaining things that have happened already and you're just like this isn't fun like i want to see you know uh, you know just just show me don't tell me like obviously you can't do that the whole movie but you know that's why like that's why i thought the voiceover was unnecessary and i felt like that yeah like i i just think that an approach not like this one should have been made to this movie well the Uh, the the first chapter of the book is is all exposition so like it's in in this in in the one scene of ender having his monitor removed being tested and then being offered a place at the battle school all those events together in the course of that they introduce the the situation of the world they introduce the the wars itself they introduce what the school is and what it takes to get into the program like there's there's all these things that are communicated in one single chapter where none of it is expressly being stated but in, in over the course of covering a few short events you get everything you need to know about the, the character the people who are recruiting him the world the 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 battle school the enemy and like there's just a lot of stuff that's communicated that we don't get and yeah. part of that is because you have somebody in their head saying things or um stuff like that but it's like there, there's a couple things that are really important that the, the film just does a really shitty job of actually communicating one is that like as soon as ender like you want to know more about ender who he is as a person he you know, he has a sister who is overly compassionate and a brother who is overly evil. And uh, the brother has basically been a threat on Ender's life for, like, as long as he knows. Like, he's in constant threat of being killed by his brother. Uh, as soon as he gets to the school, he is isolated and everyone has turned against him. And the whole point is to make him feel that, like, never, ever, under any circumstance, will anybody ever help him, no matter what. And it's all about, like that like just just that little bit of information is enough to understand who ender is and see see uh how he interacts and then also as he's playing you know that little game that he plays while he's sitting in his bunk yeah uh, that game is also another way where the reader gets into ender psyche and experiences how he plays the game and that like ender is this kid who is constantly pit against impossible odds and no matter what he does to overcome those odds the instructors just keep throwing that basically the instructors are cheating against him and forcing him to come up with ways to overcome the scenario that they've created for him and like it's it's this escalation that happens like in this film as soon as ender gets his own army he has one match and 
that in in that match there's a bunch of things that the instructors do uh to throw a kink in his plans for how to try to win that match in in the film the conditions of that one single match are actually spread amongst three different matches um and there's like a lot of like shorthand that gets happened where they're like like the 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 itself is all about the repetition of ideas and the escalation of the stakes of each of those things so it's like it, it's it's battle after battle after battle after battle it's it's training after training after training after training but each time there's some some bit that changes and like you know we, we in this like uh you know the the first the first group that ender gets put with they're like uh you're not gonna do anything because you suck blah 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 and then he gets in trouble for trying to train on his own uh, in, in this story, when he goes and does all the training on his own in the book, like slowly over the time, more and more people join him. And there's a point where like, he is technically like promoted up to the next level, but he's still training with all these little kids who are all the launches. Um, and like other people are taking note and like more and more people in the school start to like slowly gain respect for him. It's not like we do one battle and then everybody sits next to me in the cafeteria now because they think I'm cool. Like it, it's <laughs> yeah. the, the, this like all like the technical on paper beats of this film are there, but all the emotion and uh, really the, the badassery of like what is happening in that school are completely jettisoned and even the the gravity of some of those um, individual fights between different characters and the results of them are kind of just like crapped on and not like it, it just loses all its emotional resonance um, in a way that is just really just saddening I mean because you're Oh, we as an audience are never never emotionally invested into Ender's uh, story. Like I, I feel like there should have been at least a solid hour of character development before we even get to some of that training stuff. And then like the the, the last hour and a half or whatever is you know the rest of it. Like I, I like cannot kind of how like you know in Batman Begins there's a solid hour before he's even Batman. Like, I mean, so just so we could get like that, you know, we can get involved, you know, and not just have it be like 10 minutes, maybe of him going, you know, uh, playing games in school with that bully and then like beating him. And then like his brother comes in for like a second and, yeah, you know, and then his parents are there and they're just like, Oh, well you're a third child. I was just like, this is just so much information that I don't care. Yeah. Um, at least, you know, in the way that it's been told, being told to me. Um, yeah, like, cause I, I, I feel like, cause you were saying like in the book, there's all this repetition, obviously, cause they're training and I feel like that would have, that could have been really awesome, you know, to see like them training and getting better. But I feel like you never really see it in the movie. Um, and the repetition in the movie feels repetitious in a bad way like it doesn't feel like how uh you know in don john joseph gordon levitt the way he shot that in very repetitious ways like it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel that way you know where you're like oh like that's cool like we're getting like a sense of like progress and everything yeah um because like because i didn't know where this movie was going um so for i it probably the movie was probably almost over and i was like well because I, I was expecting the movie to literally end and be like ben kingsley shows up he's like all right now we go to war and then it's credits <laughs> and, then it's like, 
to be Credits. continued. I was, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, I, I was prepared for that to happen because I was like, they've been training this whole damn movie. So like, right, right at the line where he's like, so I'm not the first. And he's like, no, but you will be the last. Like, and then it cuts to like, to be continued. I seriously thought they were going to do that and be like, hey, Ender's Game 2 is coming out six months later. Ender's Revolutions or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I seriously thought it was going to happen. Like, we weren't even going to see the, the battle. Like, it was just going to be saved for the next one. Um, but, uh, yeah, because I was just like, there's... All they've been doing is training this whole movie, and all the training has been boring. So, like, it hasn't been anything interesting. Like, I've never... Like, I was like, well, he seems like he's the same... He's the same kid playing that game in the beginning as he is at the very end when he's commanding the army. Like, I, I felt well, like see, no pro- that's, no progress had been made. That, that That's the problem is, like... There are there are obviously multiple levels and age groups. You got you know you got the you got the launches and you got the next round and the next round and then you, like once you graduate there you go off to command like you go from battle school to command school and that's a completely different location. You're learning different tactics and stuff like that. But like the book itself takes place over several years. Like when Ender leaves at age like six or eight or whatever it was, um, his sister is told that his first uh, his first um, chance to return home is like when he's 18 or something like that or and then he gets to go home or, or no it's when he's 16 and then he gets to go home early at 12 or something like there's some there's some either way it's like several years that he's in this program at this school learning getting better coming up with new strategies that no one has ever tried before um like i mean because he, he enters a place where he is he's little littler than everyone else he's being purposefully made the bad guy by the staff like the staff is pointing him out call, uh, calling him out to make it so like the other kids resent him he's not being allowed to participate he's having to train himself and he's like breaking the mold in what zero g combat is supposed to be for like what it, it's kind of like when you um i know you're not like super into video games but it's like like when, it, when a new game comes out everybody it's just like sort of like everybody plays whatever they want to play and then after that game's been out for a long time everybody starts using the exact same techniques because a few people got successful with that right away and then yeah. everybody else started to mimic that and then everybody does the same thing and then somebody comes along and tries something that nobody expects because why would you use that combination of weapons or whatever and then like they kind of interrupt things for a little bit but then everything kind of streamlines like ender is this out of the box like genius kid and he is uh, you know basically supposed to be accomplishing levels that like other people haven't been able to do and um in this film when when you go from one scene he can't even like move around in zero g to the next scene he's like like saving a team to the next scene he's commanding a group of people like they're when you don't show the progression over the course of years it just seems very like exactly what you said like well he flew there and he had the same skill set that he had like a day later when he was like trying to learn how to command ships like there there's you're you're taking the journey away from ender that he has to go through to try to um reach the levels that he is by the end of the, the story yeah i mean the only indication that he's smart is that scene in the beginning where uh, he tells Harrison Ford, like, oh, in space, you don't know which side is up or down. And all the kids are like, nerd. And yeah, yeah I was just like, and, and any other time he's like playing his like little game, mind games and coming up with like the strategies. I was like, I, I, well, first, 
you know, coming up with strategies. I say that loosely, but, uh, yeah, I was just like, it never was like, I never got the sense of like, oh, this is the, this is the savior. This is the one they've been waiting for, you know? The one that will bring balance to the force. Exactly. I mean, like any, any movie, like, you know, Star Wars, The Matrix or whatever that, you know, the, it didn't, I didn't get that feeling that he was the one well, um, it, that it, was going to help them at least. It's it's funny too with you bringing up that that scene on the ship where he's like laughing. For some reason, they changed it from him being upside down to him being horizontal. Um, but in the book, he is uh, the the instructor is standing upside down on the quote unquote ceiling, but to the instructor, he is standing right side up on the ground of the aircraft. Mm. And Ender is laughing because he's like, "Oh, it looks like you're upside down." And then, like, the conversation plays out the same way, but it's not just a horizontal versus vertical. It's an upside down versus right side up. And that plays this first time to enter the battle room because people are standing on a floor. They walk into zero G and they automatically continue to orient themselves at that horizontal plane. But the whole point is that, like, there is no horizontal plane in zero G. You have 360 degree movement and you can align yourself to any object that you want. That's where the whole enemy's gate is down thing comes from. It's like, it's up and away, it's down, it's right there. Like you're falling towards the enemy gate as opposed to like moving across a floor towards the, the opposite end. Like there, so. Yeah, uh, I got I got none of that yeah, from the so, movie. Yeah, because other, the, other the than movie, the kid like shouting it at Ender and them like, you know, fire! And then it's just like, lots of space junk in my face that i can't see what's going on i will say though that that simulator is actually really cool because in the book it's just like he's standing over a console where there's a series of blinking lights in three-dimensional space um so the fact that like Mm. it's actually rendering three-dimensional chips and objects and stuff like that um was actually a really cool like that was the only thing that i really liked uh that they did from a visual representation of of what the school is um Mm. but but yeah, that's that's a little sidebar. Yeah, I guess well, especially if you're making the film version of it, I don't think blinking lights would be as exciting. No, no, def- definitely would not. As like a, a a recreation of what's going on. Yeah, they were they're like they're like well, let me think. We can either do blinking lights at a console, or we can do big 3D space with like 50 versions of Daft Punk hanging out around the sides of us. <laughs> This movie needed some Daft Punk, needed some <laughs> some Tron Legacy esque uh, visuals, um, because uh, that's the other thing is that, like you know they spent a hundred ten million dollars on this movie. It's like again, I will say it. Where'd the money go? I mean, well, this movie cost ten million dollars more than Gravity, and Gravity looked a bajillion times better. So, uh, and you know, I'll say it again: District Nine only cost thirty million dollars. You know, it's like, what up with that? Like, where did all the money go? I don't understand. Although I will say that the uh, when we see like the the alien at the when we see the alien like living and breathing, yeah, I won't say where it happens, but I I will give them some credit for the 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 design of the aliens were kind of cool. Yeah, um, they were they weren't like that like same like cruddy looking uh <laughs> they didn't look like battle la yeah they didn't look like battle la or uh after earth or any of the you know recent alien invasion movies um you want, you want, i, I, I you thought want. they would look like that because their ships look very you know brown and janky and i thought they were gonna go that route but I, it was actually like you know 
but that's that's a minor thing. You you want to know the the really funny thing about that alien? It doesn't look like that way in the book. It's not in the book. Oh, there um, you go. Uh, the thing, the other thing that is in that scene is in the book, but that other thing is all you get as opposed to that uh, alien. Yeah. Which we can cover in spoilers, unless I misinterpreted that scene in the book, but I'm pretty sure I didn't. No, I'm pre- I'm sure you didn't. That that seems like a, uh, yeah, that seems like a thing that they just changed because it's like it'll be better if we should. They always damn that that like totally goes against the rule of like, or or validates the rule again because it's like they always have to show the alien. It's like. I don't care. Like, don't show me the alien. Like, sometimes it's effective where they don't show it. And, you know, like Independence Day, they don't show it till like, toward the end. And then we see it. You know, it's like, okay. But, like, you know, or, or the Jaws approach. But most of the time, and, you know, most of the time, all the aliens look the same. And they look like crap. It's like, don't even show the alien. Like, it's more hey, like I, I, I our first show int- it. I liked our first introduction to the alien in Independence Day where Will Smith punches them and says, Welcome to Earth. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we never get, like, a full-on view of them until, like, the scene with, uh, Dr. Oakum. Peace. Brent Spiner. Peace. D- yeah, with, with Data, with his long hair. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, like, it's just, yeah, like, that, that goes, like, that totally is, like, validating that rule. It's like, we have to show the alien. It's like, no. Yeah. You don't, like, uh. Honestly, if they didn't, because like I, I didn't think they were, because it's like, oh, we, you know, of, of the events that happened. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just figured that was in the book. The, the scene you're talking, the scene you're talking about is there. It doesn't happen the way. But he just, the alien isn't there. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but I, but I'm just saying, like, I thought in the book that in that scene there was an alien. <laughs> Technically, there was. But not the way that it's presented in the movie. Yes. Okay. Because technically in that scene, there's two aliens. Oh. But okay. in... Yes. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to say. I can't remember now. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, I was going to ask you. I'm assuming that um, his sister has a bigger role in the, the, in the, in the next couple books. Um, no? No. Let's. Okay, for me to like, I, I I've always been, but I have obviously been trying to jump in as much as I can um, during uh, your all your comments without giving my peace of mind. Basically, this film infuriated me because uh, it just wasn't the book that was. I mean, oh, I read. Well, I mean, we. I think that was conveyed pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just mean that I haven't like expressly stated like the book upset me. Uh, not only did I read it when I was younger and I was hugely fond about it, but I, but I went and got the audiobook for it just the week before it came out and listened to it in two days. Um, mm. so it's pretty fresh in my mind and, uh, yeah, just watching the film, I was like, there's the, this film should not have been attempted to be made because there's no way you can condense all these events down into a short enough period to communicate it with the way it needs to, but to continue to answer your question slash say anything else about it i really need to speak expressly in spoilers um so oh, okay. well the only reason i uh, asked is be- what do you say oh okay well i yeah no like i agree like but the only reason i asked is because 
they cast Abigail Breslin, a pretty known actress in that part, and she has like pretty much zero screen time. So I just thought like she would have a more expansive part. They were she, like pre preemptively casting for the later movies. She has a much bigger part in Ender's Game. <laughs> like Oh, okay. The, <laughs> the, the character of Valentine Wiggin is very important. <laughs> and uh, the event at the end of this film that you see is partially put into place because of Valentine. So like and mm. that's not in this movie at all. Uh, so, so basically I, I think we the default is that it should have been a BBC series. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> it should have been either a BBC series or an HBO series and yeah, they could have called it a day. Okay. They should could have done like what they did with Game of Thrones where they make like 10 episodes, like one book per season. Here's here's what they would have done if it was a BBC miniseries. The entire first episode would have been nothing except for him on Earth with the monitor. He gets the monitor removed, gets in his fight, and at the very end of the episode, Colonel Graf shows up and says, Hey, I want to uh, invite you to come to the battle school. And there would be no space at all in the entire first episode. It would be just exactly what you oh, want. Yeah, Carson, yeah. A bunch of character development. And then after that, the very next episode would be nothing but an introduction to the school. And then it would basically... I mean, not would even be, that. Like, just don't, like, you know... Yeah, I, but I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, like, the, the second episode would be would be Harry Potter 1. Yeah. And then the third episode would be like, okay, now things are picking up, and it would be a lot more training. And then the fourth episode would be graduation, or it would be the next step where he actually is a leader of his own squad. And then the next episode would be him getting promoted to bat or command school. And then the last episode would be the finale. Yeah, I, I I think that like if they did what they're doing with Game of Thrones right now on HBO, where they do like ten episodes per season, and each season is pretty much a book in the series, I think that would be a, a good format. Yeah, no, that 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 would actually be a good way to present this material. Because then they could have a lot more, you know, development with all the characters and just. It just would have it would be handled a lot better, and probably the only way to, you know, present it that is pleasing to the fans and to just the story in general. Because I, I mean, you know, like I said, not even having read the book, like I don't think this is a story you could condense. Like it's just too dense, and I, you you need all that you know meat on the bone. You can't just give me like the uh the cliff notes version the you know just the the pg you know oh like i just i'll have time to watch it you know on my iphone version like i just yeah i just don't think that move this movie is cut out for that yeah i I actually think it would it would work even better as an animated production like so if you made this like like uh like if if the team who made you know the cartoon version of avatar the last airbender or the Adventures of Korra or The Legend of Korra. Like, if that crew made an animated version that was, like, mm. a whole season long to communicate the story of this book, they could probably actually do it because, A, in the animation style, the youthfulness of the people within the story would allow them to communicate the the characters' involvement in it but still have adult themes. Like, I think it would just work in general overall. Uh, yeah, probably. I, I agree with that. Like, it, it probably would, uh, yeah... Anything would be better than this movie. Although I wish that they had just, you know, 
I feel like you could do it as a movie, though. You just have to get the right person. You have to approach it the right way. Yeah. Um, this was not the right way. Definitely not. Um, but yeah, let's let's close this episode out, and then I'll give you a few spoilery comments to help kind of put some pieces together. Or if you just want to, I mean, yeah, I don't know. My spoilery comments for the film are actually spoilery comments for the book too. So. Uh, I'll, I'll I mean, it. I don't really care. I've seen the movie, but I pretty much know the bullet points. So Yeah, you know the important bullet points. But uh, yeah, so, so let's just close this episode out, and then I'll give you some quick spoiler talk, and then uh, we will fully close the episode out. So let's get to do a verdict real fast, Carson. If you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? Um. Well, it's probably a pass... But um, I think I said the same thing for uh, this movie is kind of like uh, the movie Upside Down, where like that movie was also a pass, I think. But the fact that they like squandered like an amazing idea (laughs) just just immediately drops it to a must avoid because like I don't think you should even bother because like I said, um, you've already seen this movie and it's been done better and i'm sure what you're gonna say is just just go read the book and i will say something that'll probably infuriate many but you know what i enjoyed watching after Uh earth more than this what what happened i you you cut out there for me on my end (laughs) i don't know okay i don't know where i cut out you said something about after earth was better than this oh yeah well i said i was gonna yeah infuriate some people but uh yeah i did enjoy watching after earth more than this movie purely because um you know not saying that after earth was a good movie but uh, just for the fact that there was like a lot of hot mess going on in that movie and the bizarreness sort of made it more watchable i guess and i felt like ender's game could have used a lot more uh of that kind of unconventional flair so yeah um this is i for for people who have read the book already i would say it's a wait for rental just because it's at least interesting on some like academic level to see what they cut out uh like there's certain things i knew they were going to cut out uh that i was like had already pre-accepted but just seeing how they condense things and where they put certain pieces together and how they chose to portray certain characters um, it's it's worth at least seeing like I wouldn't say avoid it completely because at least then like we're never going to get this again like this was the one shot to to give us an Ender's Game movie and I know most of us have been waiting for forever for this film to actually get made um, so uh, for you guys that have read it wait for rental everyone else you can pretty much just pass on this film uh, it's not it could have been worse but it definitely wasn't that great <laughs> so uh it's a really great story, though. As you said, I have to recommend the book to everyone because, um, yeah, it's just awesome. And it's it's almost hard to believe that it was written in, like, or released in 1985 or whatever. Um, just because yeah. it, it is very uh, ahead of its time in many ways, so. Yeah, I don't know why they, I mean, I don't know the reasoning behind why it took so long to get to the screen, but... Uh... There, there. Well, I, I know uh, in in the audiobook that I got, w- which was the like twentieth anniversary edition of the story that had been like done by like a whole voice cast and stuff like that. At the end, there's like a forty minute uh, talk by Orson Scott Card himself, and he talks a little bit about the movie process and how uh, 
one of the things that he he knew for sure that like when he was going to be signing a contract away was that like it has to be kids you can't make them teenagers and there can't be a love uh story uh thrown in the story and he said every single person that he met with was like yeah but let's make them like 16 and have like a girlfriend uh and he was always like oh, no yeah and like he would he would get people to be like okay yeah so we uh we won't change the age and then like 14 pages deep in the contract it would say oh and we can change the age of the main character and he basically wouldn't sign with anybody because nobody wanted to respect certain aspects of the source material that he felt were vital to um the thing now i know that he also is not actually involved in the production of this film i mean he's a producer but he's not involved like he has written several drafts of, of a, sc- a screenplay himself and yeah. what we have is a Gavin Hood screenplay, not an Orson Scott Card screenplay. So I wouldn't right. I wouldn't attribute any of the shortcomings to him himself, he himself. Um, but yeah, I, 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 there has been a struggle though with studio involvement and trying to make the movie that uh, Orson Scott Card wanted to make for a long time. And uh, yeah, apparently he held out longer <laughs> than he wanted to. Even though Asa Butterfield is sixteen in real life, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it would have been better if they still were actually. Me? Yeah, I'm still here. You keep, you keep, keep like cutting out. Oh, okay. I don't know. But yeah, like you said, aren't they like ten or eleven in the book? So yeah, like they they start off at like I think his first time in the school, like when he's in the school early, the early parts of him being in the school. I think he's around eight. I think he starts the book at six, and then he's like eight, and then. Um, like between six and eight are the early years, and then it like keeps going on. Like I don't, I don't remember exactly how the ages go, but he's like age, like a literal child. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, one of the things that I thought of during this movie was, I felt like the movie should have been handled the way they handled that subplot in Iron Man three with Tony Stark and the kid. Yeah, like, I, I felt like it should have been approached well, that, that way. Where it, it's like it can't work that way because the <sighs> spoilers. <laughs> They're, like you can't have that buddy buddy relationship because no no the, i'm not talking about buddy buddy i'm just talking about like tony stark treated that kid not like a kid he treated him like an adult like he was a he was basically an ass to him like he didn't censor himself because he was a child like i felt like this movie should have been handled that way well i mean it, it yeah yeah like not just not because oh they were like you know having a little buddy comedy in there but uh that you know, and and that 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 actor that they cast for that kid played that part exactly the way it should have been played. Yeah, and um, you know that character has way more interesting facets than any of the characters in this movie. So, uh, yeah, that was just a little thing that I thought of, though. All right. Well, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you throughout the week if they'd like to do that. Uh, well, you can go to uh, practicalcandy.wordpress.com. And people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get all the back episodes of the show. Follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning to figure out when the episodes go live. Or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Ender's Game. Um, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, as I said, to answer some of Carson's questions and to say a few quick bits, I am going to go into spoilers in just a moment. So we just have to close this out. Thank you for joining us, uh, listening to this review. If uh, you haven't, read the books or don't care about spoilers 
then, or if you've already read the books and don't care about spoilers, you can stick with us. Everyone else, you should probably take off now because we're going to be talking about the plot in depth. And uh, I promise we'll try to keep this short. So, there you go. See you guys later if you're leaving. See the rest of you after the music fades back out. All right, Carson. Spoiler territory. Ender's game. Spoilers coming at you. Spoilers. Oh. There was an alien at the end. Yeah, yeah. So alien at the end. Um, so at the end, obviously. So so big spoilers. If you're with us and you haven't seen the movie or read the book, but you don't care for some reason, the big thing is that uh, in command school, he spends a long time fighting all these commands, and he is he thinks that he is fighting Mazer Rackham. Uh, who is controlling the bugger invasions in this simulator. But as it turns out, no, it wasn't that. It was actually real-life battles that were taking place, and he was commanding actual military forces, and he commits genocide on the entire bugger race and wipes them all out. And then directly following that, uh, lots of the different superpowers of the world decide to start going off and colonizing some of the leftover bugger places that are now cleared out. And uh, Ender comes... Ender is wants to go back to earth but all the different powers want this great general to join them so that they can you know take over the world or do whatever they're going to do so valentine convinces ender and herself to uh join forces and not join forces but to go out and be one of the first human settlements in this one area and when they travel out there uh ender finds a place that looks a lot like the world in that game he was playing in his bunk and while he's, while he's climb, climb, uh, climbing around the world, he stumbles upon this egg that is the last remaining Hive Queen egg. And seeing that egg by itself, uh, he is able to realize that like they created this whole thing so that he could find this. And he has this moment where he sort of like communicates through like understanding with this egg the devastation that he has bestowed upon their entire race and what he did to them. And uh, he ends up writing this memoir called uh that that he signs the speaker for the dead which is the name of the next book all about the life of them and what happened and all this kind of junk uh so his sister who at that point in time is still young wouldn't have had the ability to convince the government to let him go off and help colonize his place if she didn't have a lot of power which she gains from being basically this blogger online and there's like this whole political subplot with with uh with Valentine and Peter, who go off as these opposing view people who start having this political discourse online through throughout the entire course of the book and basically get entire like groups of people supporting their ideals, even though they're children, nobody knows that. They think they're these like super great political power people who have all the, the answers to everything that's gonna happen. And mm. uh, yeah, so that part that so that sort of answers both those questions. The alien wasn't at the end, it was just the egg, and also the sister is one of these two people uh, who are out uh, um, writing all this political commentary on what's happening in the world and like huge groups of people are actually following the uh, ideals and the uh, political messages that are being put out by Valentine and Peter into the internet world. Um, even like at the dinner table, their dad is like quoting things that the daughter has written because like he's like, oh yeah, we got to support like this ideal that this person wrote. And stuff. Um, so... Mm. Um, but yeah, anyways, I, I just combined two of your questions into one, but 
that's sort of how the ending is different than the book. I see. Yes. Makes sense. That is a lot different. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, like, like, so in this, there wouldn't be a good way to communicate Ender's understanding of what this egg is sort of telling him in a way. Um, so they created this alien itself to be like a dying queen to hand the egg to Ender to show him, uh, what's going on but yeah they, they even removed the whole like i one thing that really annoyed me is when uh, ender asked mazer rackham about his face tattoos and he said it's like my way to speak for the dead like that was like to me that felt like some weird shitty tie-in to the fact that like the next huh. book is, like that ender is the speaker for the dead um yeah yeah it was it was kind of just weird didn't make any sense to me that was that was a uh, pandering to the fan base yeah it was like pandering in the worst way but um <laughs> But yeah, like going back to some of the things that I couldn't talk about in the non-spoilers is the only the only scene in this movie that I thought actually pretty much nailed it is um, that whole scene right after Ender decides to dive bomb the planet and fire off the little doctor device and uh, wipe out all the buggers and like his reaction to like, why am I seeing these images? Like, why are you showing this to me? Um, and then him sort of catching on to what was going on his emotional reaction to it i thought was nailed spot on like that that was um like his reaction his realizing what happened and how like how could we just kill them like we didn't even talk to them and ask them what was going on like that all felt exactly what it needed to feel from the and like that's like the first time in the movie that like i got a scene and i'm like whoa this is what the entire movie should have been like what the hell where the hell did this scene come from like how did uh that... yeah but like there was no there was nothing like that was led up to that that like had any kind of weight. Yeah, and and, and that's, that's that part of the problem too. Kind of with, without seeing the the progression of the battles that he's going through, like you know, in the, in the training montage where he's like, once he gets to command school in the training montage where he's like, you know, commanding everybody and showing everything. Like what you're missing from that is that like the first mission they have, they have one mini circle swarm of guys, and then they they use the the the, the little doctor device. And then he's like, cool, so that's how it works. He's like, oh, and Mazer Rackham is constantly saying, like, okay, in the next simulation, I'm going to try something different. And, like, he is beating it into his head that, that, that Mazer Rackham is learning from the, the techniques that Ender is coming up with and, like, trying to counter him by doing other things. And they spend a lot more time building up that it, it literally is a simulation. Um, so, like, in this film, uh, it, it was weird how, like, there's never, like in the book, there's literally a scene uh, right before he starts practicing at the command center uh, where Mazer Rackham is like, hey, um, you know, you've been doing all these simulations and stuff, but from now on, I'm going to control the enemy. Uh, I This isn't just going to be some shitty computer. Like, I, I know your moves and I am going to adapt, and this is going to be more and more difficult, and every every battle he goes through, and he's doing multiple a day, it's not like we do one today, we do one tomorrow, and then Wednesday is going to be um, our our final that we take in the story, it's like, at, there's a point where he does like three battles in one day, and he's getting super burned out, and like, you, you know in the movie, the scene where they fail that one mission? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, that doesn't make sense, because if that's all real, they shouldn't be failing anything because if they failed, the, they'd lose that force and they'd be screwed. In the book, they nearly fail one thing. Uh, Petra makes a really bad mistake and like she basically gets too, like not too cocky, but basically she endangers her section of the fleet 
it gets wiped out and Bean swoops in and saves the day. But Petra basically has a nervous breakdown and has to be removed from his crew uh, because like she can't handle like just the stress like of doing so many battles one after another. The odds being stacked more and more in their in against their favor. And you really get the sense that like the one thing they didn't communicate in this is when you know, like when they see the big swarm and like Bean's like enemy's gate is down and then they're like, let's do this, guys that moment for ender and you hear this all in his head so it makes more sense in the book like ender is pissed like he's like he's just like f you graph like f you rack him. like how can you possibly expect anybody to survive this like his plan to to dive bomb the planet is out of sheer desperation because they have stacked the odds against him so much that he he feels that they're just like this is supposed to be his graduation test right he feels like they've just yeah. like they've just been like f you ender we're gonna make it so you can't possibly graduate like that's the way he feels and he's like well he like he's trying to cheat them in doing that that's why that's why his reaction to him like genociding an entire species is so devastating because he's he's not trying to beat the formix or the buggers he's trying to beat the instructor he's trying to beat them as a big f you uh to them and afterwards, he's like, yeah, take that. Like, that's what you get for being a dick to me. Um, and then he's like, holy shit, like, what did I just do? And, like, that's why. Like, so I think his emotional breakdown at the end of this film works, but not for the right reasons. Like, obviously, emotionally, he says the correct things at the end of this film. But, like, that is a huge moment in the book where he just like, no, they've they've basically killed us. Like, we can't do anything. Like, we – I don't I don't care. Like, he, there's several times where he – decides he just doesn't want to do it anymore like it's not a game to him he's not having fun it's not like the instructors are just like making it impossible on him and he he's not excited that it's being challenging he's just like screw you guys like this is stupid like why do i even bother if you're just gonna throw something else at me that i can't beat um yeah so it's i don't know it's just weird the way they they didn't do a good especially for a film that i would assume they want it to be a big twist at the end where uh, it turns out to be real, but they don't do a good enough job of selling the fact that it's a simulation. Yeah, although I thought it was a simulation. Yeah, yeah. I, but... I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I figured that, uh, yeah, I don't know. When when you have a character who's just like, oh, we're sleep deprived, I'm so tired, like, and that's the only, like, kind of bit that you get as to why they're, you know, overworked. yeah not good well that, that's the thing is like i said they've 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 been doing multiple battles and these, these like just like oh wake up at two in the morning and, and that's the thing too is what what they're the, part of the reason why it's so like th- there, there was one other thing that i one other scene that i forgot to mention which is a throwaway scene in the film but actually is something they added to the context of the book that that further backs that up like once he gets to command school there's an urgency like you know they, they keep saying like like you will be the last one not that's not a that's not a confirmation that Ender's good enough. That's a we don't have enough time to train anybody else. Like in in there there's a book called uh, Ender Shadow, which is uh, which is actually the story of Bean's view of kind of like what's been happening. And like Bean was another option to be Ender. Like Bean could have been as great as Ender. He was just a little bit behind him as far as age goes. So he was like after him. Like if if, if they had a couple more years, Bean might have surpassed Ender and been like the better choice to be the main commander. But they didn't have enough time and there, there's a scene where viola davis had come in and talked to harrison ford and and 
when she leaves or when she shuts off the view monitor or whatever, he's looking like the, the, the screen next to him starts beeping. And it says that like the, the, for, the earth forces are entering detectable range to the, the formic home, home world. And when he starts quote unquote training, uh, in the battle of the command school simulator, the reason why he gets thrown all those fights as, as, often as he is is because that's when ships arrive to territory where they're being attacked so like he has to fight then because that battle is actually taking place like so without without spending the time like so obviously you got to the point where when you found out it was no longer uh, when you found out it wasn't a simulation that was still a big reveal for you but without like spending a lot of time like I, i don't know it's hard to explain like there you you get more of an impact to it when you start regressing backwards to different times when like like when Rackham is is yelling at him he's like you can't be that reckless you can't lose that many ships and then just yeah. like why the hell not like you're cheating why can't why can't I just sacrifice ships to to win my battles like when you start thinking back on that and be like holy shit like that whole time he's yeah. been giving commands to people who were dying because he was like because he wasn't good enough to save them or like it, it starts to like the ramifications of that start to build more and more and more the more you think about it so the fact that like in the film we don't really get a solid time frame for when those became real and not a simulation um but i think yeah, yeah I, I just think it's it's, it's it's an interesting though yeah i i mean i guess i guess it's you know whenever he when he got to the planet they were inhabiting, that the, used to be the alien planet, but then they the humans took it over. I felt like I guess that part in the movie is when the simulations became real. Yeah, ba- basically, as from the moment, like in, in the book, there's a definitive scene where Mizarakum says, um, "Your simulators are going to change now. From now on, I will be controlling the enemy." From that mm-hmm. moment in time they're all real um mm. because that's when the that's when the computer's quote unquote learning his behavior like every every strategy co- he comes up with the hive queen is adapting to that strategy for the next encounter so like it's it's not just this ai computer that's getting smarter as he plays it it's it's he thinks that he's trying to beat the mindset of Mazerakum, but really he's trying to beat the actual adaption that is happening by the formix um so they 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 remove that scene so that's one one of the things that bothered me is the scene where he's like what are you talking about i was beating him there was never a scene where he said you were fighting me (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah so because they didn't have that it didn't really like make the impact of that that confusion in ender's mind um as strong at least not for me it felt like it played weaker than it should have yeah well, I mean, the whole thing played weaker than it should have, so... Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, go- going back to those three battles, um, that I, or the battle in the middle of the film, where, like, they... So, the he gets his own squad, or tomb, or whatever they're called, and uh, he... he So, he, he gets his own, and immediately he has a battle against two armies. He arrives at the gate late, and there's, there's the... Uh, the obstacles are set up in front of the gate so he can't see out. The, they're, they're called stars in the book. I don't know if they were called stars in the movie. I forget. Um, but that's like four different conditions. And there's this, they, they use a rope to send Bean flying around a star. The, that's five different encounters that were all rolled into one. So hmm. 
he he gets his own squad, which is all full of people who were not like upper people in other squads. It's like it's basically a squad full of launchies, and he has to train them from nothing to make them good. And then they start getting thrown into like multiple fights per day, sort of like when he's in command school. But eventually, what happens is one day they get to the gate, they get their notice late, and they arrive late. And they can't see the enemy, and that's when they they freeze each other to build a shield to put around them to to to, to push them out the door and freeze everybody. Um, so that was one fight. Then there's the one where they're fighting two like the, the the one where they're fighting two armies. There's there's like a bunch of different changes, and also in the one where they're fighting both armies, how they they fly through the door in the mob. In in the book, it requires five people to um, pass through. Basically, it requires four people to open the gate at the enemy's gate and one person to float through the middle and and like they need to be mobile in order to to end the game so in that scene where they're like they create a formation and they start jetting off from each other and like bouncing around um that one's crazy because much like in the final battle they kind of sneak under the radar and they dive bomb it and then four people hit the corners of the gate and open it so the last person can go through and like it just they they just change things enough that like it it loses some of the significance and it was kind of weird the way they did that yeah i mean especially if you steamroll a bunch of things and kind of copy paste into into one like it's not i mean like we've said already like it just doesn't work as well yeah and it's it's it, it, it was weird too is like uh you know he was like oh well if bonzo isn't gonna let me train with him i'm gonna have to go do this on my own and petra helps him out but he starts training launches with him and then uh he's basically told that he's not like not allowed to train just like in this film but it, it's Petra keeps training with him, but he's training not, it's not just him and Petra training by themselves, it's him with a whole group of all these launches and all these people that are interested in training with him, and the longer he trains, the more other people come to observe him, and there's also times where he's going in to fight the older kids at games in this one game room, and like, there's all the, like, there's a, he doesn't, over the course of one battle, gain a bunch of support from people, like, it's half the book before, like, his friend his friend who's conveniently named ally uh he is like his only friend at first <laughs> his one ally is a kid named ally mm. um but in this it's like he gets <laughs> he gets a bunch of friends at once like it, it's just weird that uh i don't know it, it, it's the, yeah. the the condensing of the time frame for the events is really what hurts the story the most because it it really zaps a lot of the weight of each individual uh check mark in the events yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, all the uh, all the supporting uh, kid characters all felt like one character. Like they did not; they were just faces. They're faceless, really, because it they just all blended to me. Like they didn't have anything interesting to them. Yeah, like nothing set them apart aside from like race. Yeah, yeah, and that was pretty much it. Cool. Well, I I'm so you know, I it it, it it's easier to talk about uh, the stuff I didn't like about the film with somebody else who has both seen the movie and read the book, just because it's easier to like just riff from one thing to another. But uh, I think I'll I will shut myself off. <laughs> I like I like the part when uh, Ender was yelling at Ben Kingsley, and he's just like, "You would never give any other ranger that order." <laughs> Uh, yep, and then he just jumps off into Zero-G with his wingsuit. Right, yeah. (laughs) 
Oh man, good times. It could have been worse. They could have hired him for <laughs> to play to play Ender. Justin Bieber as Ender. Yeah. Oh All right. well. All right. Well, I think that is going to bring us to the end of this episode. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for joining me, Carson. Yep. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you guys all for listening if you're still here. And, uh, yeah. Don't forget, enemy's gate is down. <laughs>